Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on texasfootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet that just lost its phone number apparently. Yeah. I'm looking at this. It's saying you need a new number. That sucks. Did it tell you the same thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it wasn't just me then. My name's Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook or listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making a sound good. She is the Duchess of the Dorks. She is Ashley Pickle. Hello, Ashley Pickle. Howdy, everyone. Howdy. Happy Monday. Finally, people can see your face. Yeah. They, could, oh, they all tuned in. It's here with some bad hair going. They all tuned in Yikes. on. They all tuned in on Fox Sports Southwest on Friday night to see your face, mm-hmm. and instead they were treated. To just more me. I was going to say, literally, if I'm not on, that means there's even more Tepper time on. The worst. So, sorry, guys. The worst. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Today's Monday, September 14th, 2020. 73 days till Thanksgiving episode 1028. 1028, the number of times on base for Will Clark in his illustrious Texas Rangers career. On today's show, guys, we're going like an hour, like maybe more. We're doing it live. F it, we'll do it live. We got a jam-packed show. Yeah. Out of control show. We're going to start with Monday morning fallout where we overreact to the football weekend. Normal. Then, we're going to talk with the head coach of the undefeated Joaquin Rams. We're going to be joined by Coach Wade Lawson after their big win over Groveton coming up here in just a little bit. Then, we've got a very cool new thing that we have been working on in secret that we can finally start revealing yeah. to you uh, about the UIL's 100th anniversary. Um, we will roll that out. You will not want to miss that. We will unveil the Texas high school football rankings for uh, week four of the Texas high school football season. We will take a look at those. We will announce the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. We'll round up the show with a campus crawl. All that. We're going to do all that today on this program. That's a lot. That's a lot. And I've got, like, lunch waiting for me. It's like, I'm making some real sacrifices here, people. You know? Anyway. Do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It was uh, Sean Commons who said go Stars, which agree. Brent Homan, Alan Shepard, and Andrew Christensen. But yeah, go Stars. Big game tonight. Oh, I guess they right. could they could make it. They could clinch tonight and go to the Stanley Cup Finals. So How about that? Wear green. How be about loud. that? Iced canes. It's really Let's go. Cool. Go, go sports. Go <laughs> Big sports. hockey guy. <laughs> I like hockey. I just I'm just I'm just really like zoned out of sports right now. It's just kind of weird, except for football. 
That's fair. Yeah. Yes, and real fast, we we understand that the text line is not working. We will try to get that back up by tomorrow. So yeah, just sorry, sorry about that. Please don't yell at me. In we the got our. It turns out that our free text line only lasted for one. Only show. lasted <laughs> for one show, which I guess you get what you pay for. Anyway, <laughs> let's get this bad boy started. Pickle. Yes. Hit the air right siren. Time for Monday morning fallout. Oh no, dude. You want to try this again? Shoot. Yeah, go and start. Hey, Pickle. Yes. <laughs> Hit the air raid siren time. For Fallout. Of course, when we overreact to the football weekend, per usual, a lot to overreact to. A lot to get to. Let's start with my three big thoughts. My th- first big thought is measuring sticks. I, I, was, I was kind of struggling to find a decent like overarching theme to the week of Texas high school football, because I'll be honest, I don't think that there were like a ton of upsets. Sometimes there's a week where there's a ton of upsets, a ton of surprising uh, results. I don't know if there was a ton of that. Sometimes there are games where there's like two or three games that are like the big games. And those are the only games you talk about. And I don't think it was one of those weeks, but instead I looked across the games and the results that, that really caught my eye And the overarching theme that I came up with is that this is, especially now three weeks in, we had a number of games that I think tell us a lot about where these teams stack up relative to one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that, for example, my first initial reaction was at Lexington's win over Rockdale, which was incredibly impressive, Mm -hmm. incredibly impressive. Uh, remember that that is a 3A Division II team beating a 3A Division One team and doing so in a fashion that was, you know, heart-stopping and thrilling and all that fun stuff. That, to me, makes me think, all right, if they're going to go and beat a state-ranked 3A Division One team, does that put Lexington into the category of the Canadians and Gunners? I don't know if I'm quite ready to go there, but I will say that I was awful impressed with what Lexington did. Mm-hmm. I thought that La Vega beating Cal Allen is a, a much better apples-to-apples comparison. Right. That La Vega goes to San Marcos and kind of edges out Cal Allen in, a, in kind of exactly the kind of game we were thinking we were going to get, which is a slugfest, just mm-hmm. an absolute haymaker fest, back and forth uh, at one another. And La Vega then, I think, pretty clearly you know, like reminds us, okay, in 4A Division One because that's Callan's 4A Division One team and a state-ranked one, a good one, okay, they are where they should be. They should be in that in that mix. They should be a, a, kind of at that state-ranked level. In the six-man ranks, I thought Borden County's win over Rankin was kind of a similar way. Right. A, those are two 1A Division One teams that we have really high hopes for and playing one another. Borden County comes up with a close win. That tells me that that both Borden, that Borden County and Rankin are pretty evenly matched, and they're both, I think, pretty darn good. Those are the measuring sticks that we're coming up that we're coming up with. And so, when I was taking a look at the at, at the results over the weekend, that's what I was. Um, I think we're starting to kind of get a feeling of like how these teams, in particular, stack up. For example, the game you were at mm-hmm. with Hamlin and Albany. Hamlin has been punching up a lot lately. They've been playing teams that are bigger than them. Well, here's a team that they were. The, that was same size, a, a, a state-ranked mm-hmm. 2A Division II team, and they did a controlled demolition on them. Yes, it was over from the beginning. It was just it a, was clear as day. It was a just a clobbering. And so 
for us who were thinking, okay, who is the chief challenger to Martin to a division two? Well, it's Hamlin right now. That's right. just that's the answer. Absolutely. The answer is Hamlin right now because of what they've been able to do. That's my first big thought. Thought number two, nobody's happy. I'm talking about college football this week. And <laughs> welcome to twenty twenty. <laughs> what I think is amazing is that there were four mm-hmm. Texas FBS teams in action this weekend. And I think all of them have something to like complain about. And all of them have something that they don't feel good about. Texas Tech uh, gives up 500-something passing yards to Bailey Zappi and barely edges out Houston Baptist. You, I was like, oh my gosh, Tepper might get the free money pick wrong they on don't, no line. <laughs> they don't. Instead, I went 3-0. They oh, yeah. don't feel they've got to have some big-time questions coming out of the game. Oh, like, yeah. okay, we almost got beat How does that by... Happen? Like, Houston Baptist was driving for the win win yeah basically how do well how does that happen there's that i think texas state for another reason has got to feel like they don't feel any you know they don't feel good at all about the losing to utsa they had a big lead or or rather they, they came from behind but they weren't able to finish it off they never should have fallen behind in their in their minds and they end up losing in overtime they're not owned four against utsa all time they don't feel good about this Mm-mm. I don't think UTSA feels good about it. Nope. I know they get a win in Jeff Trailer's debut, but they coughed up a big lead. Mm-hmm. They gave up a, a, a game-tying punt return and needed a missed extra point. To even send it into to overtime. To even send it into overtime. They end up winning and like, look, that's a, you know, that's a victory, but like, I feel like they've got a ton to work on. They feel like they're not necessarily happy. And then the one team that had like or I'm sorry there were five because UTEP, UTEP played UTEP obviously didn't feel good no they got clobbered by Texas yes Texas goes and they look great and on yes. the field everything's great right really really good and then the reports come out but BJ Foster quit the team apparently and about because he was upset about playing time this is a report from Anwar Richardson of of um of, of the internet I think he's with let me make sure I get that right because Anwar will which be like very mad. it's the first game of the season and you're playing utep um am i the only one that's confused on our richardson is with uh orange bloods uh he reported that bj foster's quitting the team uh and furthermore i would also argue that for texas this was not a good weekend because the big 12 spit the bit dude when you take a look at what tech did when you take a look at what kansas Kansas, state did you take a look at what kansas did you take a look at what iowa state did this was not a good week for the big 12 and when you've only got one game that's not against the big 12 if you want to get into that playoff the strength of conference does not look good right now no so i don't know if anybody basically anybody in the state came out feeling good about what happened in the college football ranks this week they've all got something to complain about and i think rightfully so and my third big thought is unequal opportunity. And this was something I was thinking about a lot Saturday, uh, Saturday morning, like early Saturday morning when I was waking up and shaking off the, the rust from a long week, long day of broadcasting. We are going to have a number. We, one thing we're going to have to consider this year that we usually do not have to consider is there are going to be starkly different numbers of games that teams will have played when they face one another. 
And that's something we never have to deal with. Normally, it's pretty easy. Teams play 10 games. If it's week five, maybe a team has played four games. Maybe mm-hmm. a team has played three games. Maybe in a very rare instance, like they had one game canceled. And so then it, they've only played two games, right. right? For example, like West Orange Stark's just going to play their first game this week. Knock on wood. I hope they play. Right. Right? Newton just played their first game this week. Mm-hmm. There are going to be instances in which you've got a team that has played a significant number more games than their opponent. Mm -hmm. And that is something we're going to have to factor in whenever we're trying to break down exactly what these teams look like. Right, because a 3-0 team facing a team that's in their first game is going to be... Right. Like, I don't care how good the team is, there's rust. Right. Absolutely. And that's something that is very, very odd to me. And, and it's something that's going to take some getting used to is that we have a number of teams that are just going to play fewer games this year or they're just going to have fewer practices. And that's something we have to adjust to. Those are my three big thoughts. Three helmet stickers. A helmet sticker to Port Lavaca Calhoun running back. Oh. Sorry, I went too fast. Too. Go back. Port Lavaca Sorry. Calhoun running Sorry. back Steve Johnson. His name's Steve Johnson, first and foremost. That's great. <laughs> he was terrific, terrific in their big win over El Campo this week. He ran 35 times for 244 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, and he was named homecoming king. Poor cool. Calhoun running back Steve Johnson. A helmet sticker for him. A helmet sticker for Houston Baptist quarterback Bailey Zappi. This dude Bald put out. on a show against Texas Tech and made that defense look really problematic. Uh, he ends up throwing for, let me find his full, let me find his full um, box score. He goes 30 for 49 for 567 yards and four touchdowns. He was terrific. A helmet sticker for Houston Baptist quarterback Bailey Zappi. He might be actually the leading passer across all levels of college football right now. I believe so. I think that he is. Especially, I mean, has he even he's played got... two games, and he, he put up big numbers against North Texas. Yes, now, A yeah. lot of them were in garbage time. I was going to say, especially that second half, he was, he was hitting them, like, far down the yeah. field, too. So Crazy. And a helmet sticker for Bangs athlete Ethan Sanchez. He ran the ball 20 times for 319 yards and three touchdowns for the Dragons. Bangs running back Ethan Sanchez gets a helmet sticker as well. Three teams to worry about. Let's worry a little bit about Lubbock Estacado. Um, this was a team we had really pretty high hopes for this year. They now slip to uh, 0-3 on the year. And it's been a struggle, especially offensively. Now, I think they've played good teams. Played Midland Greenwood, they played Dumas, they played Canyon. Mm-hmm. Those are three good teams. I don't want to start burying them. Right. But they scored 25 points in three games. And that's not what we've come to expect from Estacado. I'm a little bit worried about them. Worry about Estacado. Texas A&M. And you're thinking, did I miss an A&M game? Yeah. <laughs> you are not. Which is why you should worry. <laughs> but you did miss some pretty sizable news last night. That their leading receiver is opting out of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, uh, and this was something we had heard a little bit about, but... Uh, Jamon Osmond has opted out of the 2020 season to prepare for the 2021 NFL draft. And you're thinking, 
okay, well, that seems bad. He was their leading pass catcher. He was their leading receiver. He mm-hmm. was he he led in pretty much every single category. And then you take a look at the receiver room now. Okay, Courtney Davis is gone. Yes, Kendrick Rogers is gone. Mm-hmm. Cameron Buckley's gone. Okay, their leading receiver right now is sophomore tight end Jalen Weidermeyer, who caught 32 passes, 447 yards, and a team-high six touchdowns last year. He's not so bad. So it's the best tight end. But... Tight end. Great tight end. Fantastic. <laughs> their leading wide receiver right now from last year is Jalen Preston, who caught three passes last year. This is Now, they have a wildly talented group of receivers. Yes. Almost none of them have any experience now. Yes. And so... Who's going to... I have high hopes for a Kellen Mond. I think he's a really good quarterback, but who's he going to throw to? So, uh, that is a team that I'm worried about. And let's worry a little bit about Wes Rusk. Wes Rusk, if you missed this one, um, Wes Rusk uh, is now 0-2 on the year. Uh, they lose to Mineola 36-14. And once again, now they're 0-2. But once again, the offense has just kind of scuffled. Now, they played two good teams. Again, Sabine, Mineola, I think those are good teams. But they've scored 21 points in two games. That's just not going to cut it. A little bit worried about West Rusk. Three teams to watch. Talk about a measuring stick. Melissa. My now, goodness. Now, <laughs> there is a small caveat here that Braden Plyler did not play right. in the first half of this game for Pottsboro. But uh, that was a show. That Melissa yep. put on, they they jumped out to an early lead and never, ever looked mm-hmm. back. It Ooh. is a shame that that, that Plyler was sure, out sure, because sure. I would have loved to talk. That that would have been a true measuring stick. No, right absolutely. There. But Still, Melissa they looked terrific. Fifty-one seventeen mm-hmm. over Pottsboro. Keep an eye uh, on them. UTSA. Look, the Jeff Jeff Trailers undefeated as a FBS head coach. That is just that is just <laughs> that is a fact. Facts. That is Facts. A, yeah, that is a certain Went on the point. road, beat their rival, uh, did it probably in a way that they would prefer not to as far as letting Texas State back in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Harris, they are certainly kind of keeping him. They are. They have not pushed the ball downfield at all. There's a nope. lot of check downs, a lot of short passes, and then him running the ball. But between him and Sincere McCormick, they had it cooking. They had it cooking. Um, yeah, uh, UTSA, certainly keeping an eye on them. And China Spring. <laughs> China Spring with another really nice win this week. They are 3-0. and And, by the way, so they go and they beat Brownwood 35-14. By the way, you know who they get this week at home? Hmm. Liam Passes. An Ooh. underrated game. Keep an eye I on like that I like that. One. So those are three teams to watch. That is Monday Morning Fallen. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. That is our subscription package. Two magazines, a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com. Uh, we would love if you would go to TexasFootball.com slash subscribe to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Pickle, let's go to the hotline and let's bring in the head coach of the 2-0 undefeated Joaquin Rams fresh off of a big win 
over Groveton. We are joined by Coach Wade Lawson. Coach, how are you? Doing good. How about yourself? I'm excellent. How are things in beautiful Joaquin, Texas? Hey, hey, sun shining today, so everything's going good. I want to ask you about your big win on Friday night, and and and, and it's it's kind of two pronged. First, first and foremost. Uh, it's always good to be 2-0 and to do it in the fashion you did, 41-0 over Groveton, I know is, is very special to you. Did it mean a little bit extra because you were, because Groveton was the team that knocked you guys out of the playoffs last year? Oh, no doubt. You know, it was something we had talked about, you know, all week. Um, it was it was one of the reasons that, you know, we chose to play Groveton this year mm-hmm. in non-district. Uh, you know, me as a coach, I always like if – if I have the opportunity to play someone who beat us the year before, I, I want to play them. You know, I, I think that's that's how you get better. Um, you know, you you have to develop a, a, a sense of uh, competitiveness in yourself and your team that, you know, that if somebody gets the best of you, you got to go want to play that team again. And uh, it was something that we talked a lot about with our kids uh, over the week. And we felt like that, um, you know, last year in the playoffs, we just didn't put our best foot forward that night. And, um, you know, like I said, I was really proud of our kids and the way they responded to it. And uh, we come out and we, we put together, you know, 48 good minutes of football this past Friday. Well, and the biggest thing that stands out to me is that this is a Groveton team that obviously has a lot of weapons, and you guys were able to completely shut them down, uh, you know, pitch a shutout on, on them. Uh, what was working for you guys defensively that allowed you guys to come out with such a dominant win? Well, one of the things was last year, uh, when we got through playing them last year, me and my defensive coordinator, we went back to the drawing boards, and we, uh, we've, we've played good defense here the last few years. I mean, two years ago, we went into district and hadn't allowed a point all season. Um, and we kind of hang our hat on our defense. Our offense gets a lot of notoriety just being a slot T team and being different and, you know, what we do, but, but our, but we, we really hang our hat on our defense. And last year in the playoff loss to them, um, you know, they kind of exposed us in some ways. So we went back and went to the drawing board of how we could make things simpler on on defense to get our calls in, to go fast. To, you know, a lot of the same thing that colleges are having to do now, to be able to, you know, send blitzes, but be able to do it out of multiple um, personnel groupings of the offense and, um, not have to check out of it and get vanilla just because they check and move to something else. So, um, and like I said, it was a lot, a lot learned in that loss last year. And uh, like I said, I, I thought our kids uh, did a really good job Friday night of uh, taking to the coaching that, that we gave them and going out and executing. Talking with Joaquin, Coach Wade Lawson here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation, hashtag TF Today. Coach, one of the remarkable things about your 2-0 start is this team's real young real young i mean i look up and down your roster and, and and at your depth chart and you got you got a lot of sophomores you got a lot of freshmen especially at, at key positions for y'all for y'all yeah. um yeah. what have you seen from your youngsters because i think there's you know especially after such a strange off season and things like that there's a lot of excuses right. for young teams to struggle out of the gate why haven't you guys done that well i think a lot of it is just um uh, you know building a tradition over years um you know if you go back and you look at the this will be our sixth year uh in the program uh now and uh we've been fortunate enough to put more wins in the win column every year and uh those kids that we have you know now those freshmen those sophomores even from the time uh when i got there and they were in uh Wee football they're running the same offense that we run now and um so it's not any different for them now there's a huge jump 
from eighth grade football to playing high school football on Friday nights. But, you know, those kids know what, what the expectation is for them. They know that, you know, what we we as coaches expect from them, they know what to expect from each other, and they know what our, our town expects from them. And, um, you know, and, and that's to go put a good product on the field every Friday night. And, you know, we hang our hat on. We may not always be the most talented uh, team on the field, and that we can't control, but we can control the pace and we can control the competitiveness that we play with every Friday night. And, um, you know, if you look at us right now, we're starting a freshman and five sophomores. Um, you know, that, that's a lot of youth on the field. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, that, that freshman's still 14 years old. So he, he's a baby. And, uh, but he's going to be a good one for us, uh, engage Jordan. Really, I mean, he's playing, you know, wheel linebacker and, uh, and fullback for us. You know, those, those, that's a, those are key components in what we do on both sides of the ball. And then, you know, our sophomores, they're a really good group. And, um, you know, we're, we're real proud of them. So one of the things about building a tradition and, and you being there for, for six years is, you know, you mentioned you guys are a slot T team. And I always love talking with, with coaches who coach the slot T because the slot T is the devil. And one of the things about it is it is not – you guys don't – the slot T is not a star-making offense. It is not a t- exactly. it, it is not an offense where you're going to have some bell cow guy who goes out there and puts up these record-shattering numbers. And sometimes I always – I feel like that can be hard to convince kids to want to run that offense. Uh, do you feel like now that you guys have helped to establish this what, – what is a winning tradition there at Joaquin? You know, you've, you're, you're 36 and uh, – you're not thir- uh, 41 and 18 there over your, over your f- uh, five-plus years – do you feel like it's getting easier to get kids to buy in on the, on that kind of offense? Yeah, I, if, if I told our kids we were doing something else, <laughs> they would uh, they'd look at me like I was crazy. <laughs> um, you know, and, and and I'll say this, you know, if you look at our our, our roster, uh, you take a kid, uh, Kay Atkinson, right now, he's playing guard and Mike linebacker for us. You know, he was a fullback last year for us on our team. And, um, you know, I brought him in over uh, two-a-days. He actually started the year in the backfield. Him and Maddox Hutchins both did. And uh, I brought them both in the office and said, look, I need one of you to play guard, and I need the other one to go play strong in for us. And, um, you know, they looked at me and said, yes, sir, that's what we need to do. That's what we got to do to win. You know, we, that's one thing we have. We have great kids at Joaquin, and uh, they're unselfish. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, they just want to win on Friday nights. They don't care who totes the ball, who has the yards, any none of that matters to them. They just want to win. And, um, you know, when you have kids like that, it makes your job really easy. And, um, you know, I give a credit to that, to the kids that come before them that had the same mindset. They just knew that we're going to do whatever we got to do to win. And, um, you know, um, of course, when you look down the road and, you know, you say – you know, a lot of the things that we do come straight from Liberty Hill. Uh, mm-hmm. When Coach Vance was there, um, I met with him and talked with him, and I, I visited with Coach Walker several times. And, um, you know, so like I said, it's nothing It's nothing like we created it by no means. Now, we put our own little spin on it at Joaquin. Um, but, uh, but like I said, a lot of that, you know, you look at the success Liberty Hill has had, well, it's not hard to convince your kids of it. You know, it's something different. Um you know, everybody's in the spread. Everybody's doing that. You know, how can you be different? And, um, you know, our kids have really bought into it. And like I said, it's been really good to us over 
six years now. Uh, it's on to the next one now. You guys have some. Uh, you guys got some traveling to do. You guys are heading an hour and a half north up to Orr City to Rebel uh, Rebel Stadium to take on uh, an undefeated Orr City squad. Uh, I know you're already deep in, in in preparation for them. I don't want to ask you to give away your game plan, but when you take a look at what you're up against on Friday night, uh, what do you see? Well, first and foremost, I'll say this. You know, we've played Orr City. This will be our third year in a row to play them. And last year when Coach Burnham got that job, uh, he was an offensive coordinator at China Springs for years. So he was very familiar with the slot T uh, playing Liberty Hill. And uh, they were probably the most improved team on our schedule last year up until we played Harleton Mm -hmm. at the end of the year um, from one year to the next. And when I see them on film, I see they've made an even – bigger jump this year um and actually um he's drank the kool-aid too they're actually running the slot piece <laughs> we're gonna see mirror images of each other um friday night uh they're a very big team they got good numbers out a lot of depth um and, and i look for them to give us a lot of trouble um you know we're gonna have to play really really well friday night uh to be three and oh and i think our kids know that uh, finally, it's Wade Lawson, the head coach at Joaquin. Join us here on Texas Football Today uh, on uh, Get Involved in the Conversation, hashtag TF Today. Coach, I've got to ask you about, you mentioned your your coordinators, your offensive and defensive coordinators. Uh, your offensive coordinator is Jared Jones. Your defensive coordinator is, is John Jones. They are yes. brothers. They are brothers. That is remarkable enough. Uh, do I have this right? Did you guys go to kindergarten together? Yes, we uh, we started out uh, at Joaquin. Uh, we're all from Joaquin, and uh, we're all – uh, we started out at kindergarten together, graduated together, uh, lived together in college, uh, best men in each other's weddings. Um, you know, we're all there when our firstborns, our firstborn children were born. Um, you know, been best of friends since we were five years old. So, um, and, and then on top of that, actually, my dad is on my staff too and works for me. So it's a, uh, and we've got another guy there that we, that I coached when I was in high school and Chad Lawrence and. Um, you know, so we have a really, really close staff, and I think our kids see that, um, you know, and um, when we talk about being family, we really mean it, you know, and that's something that our kids, they see, and um, it's a pretty cool deal. Okay, so of the guys who, I guess it's the Joaquin Elementary School class of 1997 or so, um, uh-huh. of those three guys, you, Jared Jones, and John Jones, who has grown up the least? <laughs> Well, that's a great question. We're all three pretty old souls, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, they get on to me, and they tell me all the time I'm the oldest 34-year-old in the world because I can't even hardly work a computer. Uh, I'm going to say Jared. I'm going to say Jared's grown up the least out of us all. You know, he's the offensive coordinator. He likes to have the most fun. Uh, me and John, we're pretty uh, we're, we're pretty old souls to be 33. Well, they're still 33. I turned 34 the other day, so – uh, but but to be honest, really out of us all, probably the youngest is my dad. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's probably the youngest, to be honest with you. He's Wade Lawson. He's the head coach of the undefeated Joaquin Rams. Coach, really appreciate your time. Congratulations again on the great start, and uh, best of luck Friday night against Orr City. Hey, thank you, and thank you for having us on, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. There he goes, Wade Lawson, the head coach of Joaquin. Uh I didn't realize that about his dad. I didn't realize he was. I knew that Jared and John Jones, I'd read a story about them, about them that being was fantastic. from elementary school. Mm-hmm. Elementary school buddies. But dad the, on the coaching staff, too. For those who don't know where Joaquin is, you're going southeast, kind of southeast, Piney Woods, but it's like three miles from the Louisiana border. 
it's like they are right there on they're about as far east as you can get in Texas, basically outside of like Hemp Hill and a few other places that are out kind of on that right. kind of curve. But uh, yeah, really, really cool uh, talk with Wade Lawson. They're off to a great start. Uh, you know, three and zero, and and they're in that San Augustine district, mm-hmm. uh, which, is which is which is tough. It's tough. And and by the way, there's other teams in that district. Uh, Timpson's off to a great start as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, keep it on on Joaquin. They got something cooking there, and slot T's a devil, man. Slot T's a <laughs> devil. It'll be slot T versus slot T going on. I love that when you said that he was like, oh yeah, like he he was so pumped about He's it. Like, like let's you're, talk. you're darn right. Let's talk about. Let's this. talk slot T. <laughs> So we are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. All right. I got to tell you guys about something we've been working on in secret. So, in celebration of 100 years of UIL Texas High School football... The UIL and Dave Campbell's Texas football have teamed up to honor the best, the brightest, and the most unforgettable icons and legends in the sport's illustrious history. With, so, with some of the, I'm sorry, with the help of some of the state's foremost experts and historians, the UIL and Dave Campbell's Texas football will honor a hundred of the greatest players to ever suit up in Texas, a hundred of the finest teams to ever grace the gridiron, and a hundred of the most fabled rivalries that give the game. It's one-of-a-kind flair. Each week, starting this week, throughout the 2020 season, Dave Campbell's Texas football will announce 10 honorees on each list, an indelible honor to be known as one of the greatest in Texas high school football history. Fans will then have the opportunity to weigh in, voting for the player, team, and rivalry they think is the best of the best to be named to the UIL 100 Fans Choice. It all leads up to a celebration as big as Texas, celebrating the UIL's 100 players, teams, and rivalries. And the fans' choice top 10 in each category at the UIL Texas High School Football State Championship Games at AT&T Stadium in Arlington in December. And so, each week, we're going to announce 10 honorees onto each of these lists. There's 100 years, 100 teams, Mm -hmm. 100 years, 100 players, and 100 years, 100 rivalries. We have, uh, it's been an, a terrific, terrific group that uh, myself and Dr. Charles Brightup of the UIL have, um, have kind of, they, they have helped shepherd through this process to come up with these lists. And I'll tell you that it was, it was hard conversations and it was oh, tough yeah. to leave a lot of teams out, a lot of players out, a lot of rivalries out. We had to come up with what we thought was most deserving of being on this list. So we're going to roll out 10 each week for each of these lists so that after 10 weeks, we will have, and you'll, by the way, those 10, you will then be able to vote at texasfootball.com slash UIL100. You'll be able to vote on who you think should be the fans' choice top 10. Uh, they will be honored, but we will honor all 100 and then, of course, the top 10 uh, as voted on by the fans. And so we're going to start with the first 10 entries into the UIL 100 years, 100 teams category. We'll start right here. 1938 Corpus Christi. It's Corpus Christi Miller now. Legends of the Coastal Ben Harry Steitler's group outscored opponents 466 to 85 on their way to the school's first ever state championship and a 13 0 and 1 record. 1987 Plano, a member of the UIL 100 teams, led by head coach Tom Kimbrough, the Wildcats soared to a state championship in the late 80s, running the table at 16 0 and outscoring opponents 452 to 213. 
2000 Salina, the most legendary team of the Bobcats' 68-game winning streak. Legendary coach G.A. Moore and his senior quarterback Adam Heron led the Bobcats to win their third straight state championship, etching their name into Texas high school football lore. Also on the UIL 100 Years 100 Teams list, 2015 Canadian. Under the direction of Coach Chris Ketting, the Wildcats blazed their way through 2A Division I with their relentless Air Canada offense, triggered by quarterback Tanner Schaefer, capturing a perfect 16-0 mark in a 2A Division I state championship. 1937 Longview, captained by Hall of Famer uh, guard Chal Daniel and coached by the late great Pete Shotwell, the Lobos 14-0 squad from 1937 was Longview's gold standard for 81 years until 2018. Shotwell's team outscored opponents 382-81. to 1975 Big Sandy, perhaps the most dominant team in Texas high school football history, Jim Noren's 14-0 squad was the completion of the Wildcats' three-peat in the 1970s. The closest anyone came to beating this team was Groom in the state championship, 28-2. The Wildcats' offense averaged an impressive 58.9 points per game, outscoring opponents 824-15 to on the year. 1975 Big Sandy, a member of the UIL 100 Years, 100 Teams list. As is 1985, or I'm sorry, 1989 Groveton. Led by East Texas legend Rodney Thomas, the Indians won their first of back-to-back 2A titles in 1989 with a 16-0 record, capped off with a dominant playoff run, where they, through their first five rounds, the average margin of victory was 41 points. 1957 Nederland. The Bulldogs brought home their only state title in school history with an unbeaten run of 14-0, capped off with a 20-7 win over Sweetwater in front of 7,500 fans in Nederland. Nederland's defense was the story all year, allowing a paltry 3.8 points per game. To the six-man ranks, how about 1998 Trinidad on the UIL 100 years, 100 teams list? Headlined by all-everything running back Damian Jackson, the Trojans trounced their way through the six-man football ranks, finishing off a perfect 15-0 state championship season by beating 12 of their opponents by the 45-point mercy rule. And finally, in this week's uh, 10 entries into the UIL 100 years, 100 teams, 2016 West Orange Stark, boasting perhaps the fiercest defense of the last decade in Texas high school football. Coach Cornell Thompson's Mustangs crushed opponents on a weekly basis, allowing just 69 points all year in a 16-0 run to the 4A Division II state championship. There they are, the first 10 entries into the 100 years, 100 teams list. You can vote for which of these teams you believe deserves a spot in the Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL100. It's now on to the players. The first 10 players to be named to the UIL 100 Years 100 Players list. Alito running back Jonathan Gray, one of the greatest running backs in high school football history. Gray left Alito as the all-time national record holder for touchdowns at 205 and tied for first in 100-yard games in a season at 16. He was the top running back in the country when he came out of Alito. Ennis quarterback Graham Harrell. As a senior, Harrell passed for 4,825 yards and a state record 67 touchdowns to earn Gatorade Texas Player of the Year honors while leading Ennis to a state title, one of the original Air Raid legends. San Antonio Lee quarterback Tommy Kramer, a two-time All-State selection. Tommy Kramer led San Antonio Lee to a 4A state championship in 1971 as a junior. The elite signal caller ended his senior year by being named Texas High School Football Player of the Year as the state's all-time leading passer. Highland Park quarterback Matthew Stafford, a five-star quarterback, Stafford led the Scots to claim the 4A Division I state championship in 2005, throwing for more than 4,000 yards in the season and claiming the 2005 EA Sports National Player of the Year award. 
Let's go to the trenches. Brady, offensive lineman. Scott Appleton, a member of 100 years, 100 players. A two-time All-State defensive lineman. Uh, Scott Appleton uh, helped lead Brady to start three titles... Uh, uh, two to three straight title game appearances and was one of the best of his generation. By the time he left Texas, he was one of the most intimidating pre- uh, presences in the trenches. West Orange Stark defensive back Earl Thomas, probably the best NFL safety of his generation and a surefire Hall of Famer. Earl Thomas became uh, made his reputation as a versatile star at West Orange Stark where he flourished at running back and receiver as well as defensive back. Rockport Fulton linebacker Dat Wynn, a member of the UIL 100 Years 100 Players, a legend at Rockport Fulton. Wynn's exploits are legendary on the Coastal Bend, where he helped the Pirates their first district title in 20 years as a junior. Wynn went on to Texas A&M, where he was a three-time All-Big 12 performer and Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, and a seven-year All-Pro NFL career. Houston Wheatley defensive back Lester Hayes. One of the originators of bump and run coverage, Hayes spent his prep days in Houston ISD for Wheatley before moving on to the secondary at A&M where he played for Emory Ballard and became an All-American safety. He moved to cornerback when he was drafted by the Oakland Raiders and a five-time pro bowler. Also on the UIL 100 years, 100 players list, Plano defensive lineman Billy Ray Smith, one of the most feared defensive linemen in the 1970s. Smith anchored the defensive front for the 1977 state champion Plano Wildcats and got even better as his high school career wore on, earning All-State and All-America honors. He followed his outstanding high school career with a Hall of Fame stint at Arkansas and a 10-year run in the NFL. And finally... This week, Houston Yates linebacker Melvin Foster, nicknamed Ferocious, Foster was the star of the legendary Yates-Lions defenses of the mid-'80s, earning Parade All-America honors in 1985 as he racked up 180 tackles, eight interceptions, five sacks, and four blocked punts. There they are, this week's entries on the UIL 100 Years, 100 Players list. You can vote for who you believe should be on the all-time, should be on the uh, fans' choice list, fans' choice top ten at texasfootball.com slash UIL100. Finally, 100 Years 100 Rivalries, honoring the best rivalries in Texas high school football, and these are your first 10 entries into the list. How about Austin-Westlake and Lake Travis? Far from the oldest rivalry in the state, but the Battle of the Lakes quickly became one of the fiercest. Huge names and a healthy amount of disdain, including Baker Mayfield, Sam Allinger, Garrett Gilbert, Hudson Card, the list goes on. Gladewater and Gilmer, separated by only 14 miles, the Highway 271 rivals are traditionally among the best in their classification. So much more than bragging rights are at stake. Austin Reagan and Austin LBJ with just five miles separating the two campuses in the capital city. The passion that was felt during this bona fide clash that peaked in the 1990s will never be forgotten by Austin residents. DeKalb and New Boston. These old East Texas rivals have been mixing it up since 1930, including 83 consecutive years and counting of clashes fighting for the old traveling trophy. Lamar Consolidated and Rosenberg Terry. The Battle of the Berg is separated by just two miles and even crosses over into other sports in terms of ferocity. Before the growth of Lamar Consolidated District, it had implications almost as big as the crowds it drew. What about Universal City Randolph and San Antonio Cole, a member of the 100 Years 100 Rivalries list? Our very own Texas high school for football version of Army versus Air Force, with Cole being located on Fort Sam Houston, that's Army, and Randolph Air Force Base housing the Rohawks. Uh, both teams are solidly competitive in small school ranks, and this game always brings out the pride in the San Antonio's rich military community. 
Euless Trinity and Hearst L.D. Bell. The opening of Trinity in 1970 gave rise to one of the most heated rivalries in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, as the annual grudge match between Trinity and Bell always brings a packed house to Pennington Field. Bridgeport and Decatur, it's the Battle of Big Sandy, was a must-see event in Wise County every year, as the two largest schools in the county, just 10 miles apart, have met nearly 100 times, with Decatur holding a 64-28-6 lead. Also on the UIL 100 Years 100 Rivalries list, Abilene and San Angelo Central. After 95 meetings dating back to 1910, you can't fault these old big country and Contra Valley foes for keeping close tabs on one another and relishing every victory. And finally, El Paso versus El Paso Austin. At 89 meetings and counting, uh, and, and counting dating back to 1930, the annual Battle of the Claw is El Paso's oldest and most legendary rivalry, drawing huge crowds of rowdy fans to this must-see showdown. So there they are, the first 10 entries into the UIL 100 Years 100 Rivalries list. You can vote for who belongs, uh, who deserves a spot on the Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL 100. So we'll be rolling out 10 entries into each list every Monday starting this week. So we've got nine more weeks to go. So if, you, if, you, if you're, don't worry, if your favorite yeah. player or team or rivalry was not named this week, They've got nine more chances. Yes. In fact, 90 more chances to be named. So, so we'll get cool there. We'll like, get there. We didn't forget, we didn't forget 90 them. of them. They're, just, they're there. Just the first 10. But of those 10, make sure you go and vote for who deserves a spot on the UIL uh, top uh, uh, Fans' Choice Top 10, presented by our friends at HEB. Uh, it's texasfootball.com slash UIL100 for more. All right, Pickle. More revealing to do. Yes. It's time to take a look at the week four, Dave Campbell's Texas football and Associated Press Texas High School football rankings. Of course, Dave Campbell's Texas football puts out the Texas High School football rankings of record. We're the official rankings partner for Texas High School football of the Associated Press. And so we'll take a look at the week four rankings. Of course, 6A and 5A, cool out. We got a little bit more time. They're just chilling, man. Just chilling. No changes. <laughs> Minding their own business. No changes to the preseason <laughs> rankings. We didn't like suddenly move a team up or move a team down. So no changes to six A and five A. We'll start in four A though. Class four A, uh, largely for the most part unchanged in 4A Division 1. When you take a look at that, the top five, in fact, unchanged. Argyle, La Vega, Lampasas, Dumas, and Corpus Christi Miller round out the top five. Port Lavaca, Calhoun up two spots to number six after their big win over El Campo. Bernie jumps from number 10 to number seven with their very nice win over Burnett. Corpus Christi, Cal Allen down a spot after their close loss to Waco, La Vega. Midlothian Heritage remains static at number nine. And new to the rankings, Canyon. Their 38-0 win over Lubbock Estacado gets them into the rankings. Over in 4A Division II, uh, a little bit more movement. 1, 2, and 3 are the same. Carthage, Pleasant Grove, and West Orange Stark. West Orange Stark may finally play their first game this week. Mm-hmm. Gilmer up a spot. Jasper up a spot after their win over Newton. Iowa Park up two spots after their win over Burke Burnett. Uh, Belleville up two spots with their win over Stafford. Uh, meanwhile, uh, China Spring also up two spots. New to the rankings... Silsby, their big win over Lumberton moves them to 1-0 on the year. They crack the top 10 at number 9. Wimberley down 6 spots after their loss to Lampasas. They hang on to the top 10 at number 10. To 3A we go, where there was a little bit of chaos, Mm -hmm. but not a ton of changes in the rankings. 
Uh, Brock remains the same. They didn't play this week. Grandview's win over Godley keeps him a very solid number two. Wall, despite a loss, is actually up a spot. They lose to San Antonio Cornerstone in a close one. They are up a spot. Jumping Pottsboro, who got beat by uh, Melissa, and uh, while Malakoff, who lost to Cedar Hill Trinity Christian, remains the same at number five. Hallettsville up two spots to number eight. Shallow Water up two spots to number uh, or up two spots to number seven, rather. Uh, Rockdale up uh, down two spots after their loss to Lexington from six to eight. Uh, Yoakum up a spot after their win over Quero and their big rivalry matchup uh, down there. And new to the rankings, number 10, Mount Vernon. Big win over Paul Pewitt this week. They crack the top 10 at number 10. Over to 3A Division 2 now, where a little bit of chaos. Canadian Gunner remain the same at 1-2. East Bernard now your number three team in Dave Campbell's Texas Football's 3A Division II rankings. Lexington, their big win over Rockdale, vaults them all the way up to number four. Newton, despite their loss, to they lost by 43 to Jasper. We don't hold that against them for a number of reasons. First and foremost, it's a bigger team. And secondly, this team was this game was put together like at the last minute. So they drop only one spot from number four to number five. Dangerfield remains the same at number six. Paul Pua drops four spots uh, to number Number seven, Poth remains the same at number eight, eight new to the rankings. Number nine, Childress. They are 3 0, their big win over Stanford. And finally, Abernathy remains the same at number 10 with their close win over Sundown. To two way we go, where not a ton of changes. Uh, we lose number seven. They drop out of the rankings, but Refurio, or Shiner, Refurio, Post, Cisco, San Augustine, San Saba. All remain the same. Lindsay up a spot from number seven uh, to number seven. Flatonia up a spot to number eight. And two new teams to the rankings, including the aforementioned Joaquin Rams, number nine in two A Division One. So is Holland. Holland three and zero. They cracked their top ten at number ten. To two A Division Two now where there's not a ton of changes, at least in the top five. Mart, Hamlin, Wellington, Winthorpe, and Wink uh, are your still top five all-winners this week. Uh, Stratford up a spot to number six. They beat a team from Kansas. Clarendon up a spot to number seven. Bremond up two spots with their win over Milano. Albany drops from number six to number nine because of their big loss to Hamlin. New to the rankings, Wheeler, the Mustangs of Wheeler, into the top ten at number ten. To 1A Division One where we have a new number one, and it's the Westbrook Wildcats. The number one team in Dave Campbell's Texas football. A absolute rocket to the top. They are 3-0 with their 49-0 win over Lorraine. Borden County, with their win over uh, Rankin, vaults to number two from number six. Jonesboro up a, or down a spot to make room for Borden County and Westbrook. Rankin down from number one to number four. Uh, undefeated Sterling City uh, had to make room. They dropped down after their win over O'Donnell. Uh, Union Hill uh, down a spot uh, w- after their win for uh, win over Cruel. May remains the same at number seven. White Deer at number eight. Lakey at number nine, and Happy at number ten. One A Division Two. Uh, we swap Richland Springs and Calvert. Calvert got a really nice win over a private school team in Bastrop Tribe Consolidated. They uh, vault Richland Springs for the number two spot. Um, Elsewhere, Motley County is up a spot after their win over Spur. Uh, they swap places with Strawn. Uh, Klondike up a spot after their win over Grady. Groom up a spot after their win over Nazareth. Uh, Blackwell hanging on to the top 10 after their loss to uh, Highland. Uh, but new to the rankings, the Gordon Longhorns crack the rankings at number 9 there in uh, the private school or in, in the six-man ranks. On the private school side, 
on the on the eleven man side, there was a little bit of change. Trinity uh, only two teams played. Trinity Christian Cedar Hill beat Malakoff. They remain the same at number three and new to the rankings after their win over Wall. San Antonio Cornerstone remain uh, hops in at number uh, hops in at number five. They crack the top five in Dave Campbell's Texas Football Private School rankings. Over on the six man side, only one of these teams played. Bastrop Tribe consolidated, lost to Calvert, but that's a state ranked Calvert team. They dropped from number three to number five. Austin Veritas and Dallas Lakehill, who haven't played a game yet, each up a spot at number three and number four, respectively. So there they are. Your Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Texas High School Football rankings for September 14th, 2020. Uh, we appreciate uh, you hopping on. You can check it at texasfootball.com slash rankings if you want to check out the rankings now. texasfootball.com slash rankings. We, of course, reveal them here on texasfootball.com every single week. Yes. Um, one thing to clarify in case someone didn't see it, we got asked about the... Um the Jasper and Silsby game. Um, Jasper didn't beat Silsby. The game was officially ruled a no contest because it was called with three minutes into the second quarter. Yes. So just to like clarify for anyone else who is wondering. Correct. On that, that game goes in as a no contest because it was called for weather, I believe. Yes. Uh, now Jasper was up, if I remember correctly, was Jasper winning or Silsby winning? Jasper was up. Okay, Jasper was up. Yeah, Jasper was up. Uh, but they that game got called in the second quarter, and so it does it goes as a no contest. So nobody wins, nobody loses. That's so that's why the is. that's why the now, numbers looked like right. that. Now that might look a little comp. That might that gets more complicated if we get into district play. That's, there's an asterisk. But <laughs> non non district play, we're we're perfectly fine with both coaches declaring it a no contest, and nobody wins. So there's some clarification there. All right, Pickle, let's do this. Dave Campbell's Texas Football, in conjunction with the Texas Bowl, is proud to present the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award to the most deserving high scorer in the state of Texas. Every Monday at noon, noonish, TexasFootball.com announces 10 candidates for that week's award based on the previous week's on-field performance. We leave it up to you at TexasFootball.com. You can vote for who you think deserves to be the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week. Voting closes each Friday at noon with the winner announced shortly thereafter here on this very program. Your week three, Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Lexington running back and linebacker Jared Kerr ran for 231 yards and three touchdowns. He threw for 46 yards and two touchdowns. He converted a two-point conversion. He also had 17 tackles and an interception. He did everything for Lexington. (laughs) He's a Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominee. As is center running back Kamandre Horace. 24 carries, 383 yards, and five touchdowns rushing in center's big win over Gladewater. Little River Academy wide receiver and defensive back Jalen McWilliams, 61 yards and a touchdown rushing. He caught three passes for 26 yards and and a touchdown receiving, and he returned two interceptions for touchdowns. Sticking in Central Texas, how about Troy running back Zach Urbachik? 17 carries, 250 yards, and six touchdowns on the ground for the big running back out of Troy. Queen City quarterback and defensive back Alex Shelton threw for 254 yards and three touchdowns through the air, 170 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. He also had three tackles and two pass breakups. For Queen City, who's 3-0, by the way. Look at that. Q City in the building. Caddo Mills quarterback Tyler Townley, 274 yards and three touchdowns passing, 217 yards and five touchdowns rushing for Caddo Mills for the Foxes running or quarterback. Rather. Lindsay quarterback Colt Shuckers, you've been Shuckersed, 412 yards and six <laughs> touchdowns for Lindsay quarterback Colt Shuckers. No. You've been Shuckers. No, I don't like that. Hmm. Sorry, Colt. 
Jasper running back Carl Limbrick, 16 carries. And we don't always include the carries, but it's important here. 16 carries, 320 yards, My and six touchdowns. Goodness gracious. For Jasper running back Carl Limbrick. Have yourself a game. Salado running back Noah Mercer. 27 carries, 364 yards, and five touchdowns on the ground for the Eagles running back. And finally, Lockney running back and linebacker Anson Rendon. 295 yards and three touchdowns rushing. He had 11 yards receiving. He converted three two-point conversions, and he made five tackles. So those are your Week 3 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Lexington running back and linebacker Jared Kerr. Centers, Kamandre Horace. Little River Academy's Jalen McWilliams. Troy Zacherbachuk. Queen City's Alex Shelton. Caddo Mills' Tyler Townley. Lindsay's Colt Shuckers. Jasper's Carl Limbrick. Salado's Noah Mercer. And Lockney's Anson Rendon. Vote early. Vote often. Vote now at TexasFootball.com Yes. Facts. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. I told you we had a lot to get through. <clears throat> Finally, Pickle! Yes. Let's finish it all off with a nice campus crawl. A campus crawl where we take a look at the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas uh, going uh, in a random order, Mm -hmm. but it's not random. If you can guess the (laughs) order and the reason that they're in this order, you will be rewarded with the knowledge that you are right. Yeah, and we'll say your name. Maybe. Possibly. We'll start. TCU did not play. We're supposed to play against SMU. Had a COVID outbreak. Didn't play. Everything sucks. Texas A&M. I mentioned this in Monday Morning Fallout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am now wondering who's going to catch passes for them. Yeah. Uh, uh. They don't have a ton of weapons that are known commodities now. Now, look, they've got a ton of talent in that receiver room. Mm-hmm. Demond Demas is a guy that they've got really high hopes for, right? But they've also, by the way, I think they lost their second best uh, tight end and Baylor Cup, he's out for the year. Blake yes. Smith is also out. Mm-hmm. So they are just losing pass catchers left and right. It's an unknown commodity there and suddenly puts a little bit of doubt. They're going to need somebody to step up. And, you know, look, I think they would have preferred that they had uh, Jamon Osmond out there as just like a true, like undisputed, he's our experienced guy. He's our number one. But it's going to be who wants it. It's like every week we get a new, like, knockdown onto how we feel about AM. Right. Not good for the Aggies. Baylor, well, they've scheduled a new game. Yeah, they um, did get something. <laughs> if you remember, Baylor's uh, Baylor was supposed to play Louisiana Tech this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisiana Tech got COVIDed, and so with a hurricane, they and they got yeah they got they got hurricane and COVIDed. Uh, so they were without a game uh, until their season opener, which is in two weeks. Mm-hmm. But now they'll play this week when they host Houston, which is good doings because we like the Southwest Conference here. Do you see that graphic they made? That thing was sick. It was the Wolves versus the Bears, or the Cougars, Cougars versus, versus Bears. Bears. Mm-hmm. Go look cool. at it. Dope graphic. Good job, Baylor graphic guy. Good job, Baylor graphic guy. <laughs> you heard it here first. Rice didn't play. I continue to be rather rather skeptical as if they're going to play. They now will not have a game until mid-October, mm-hmm. and I'm just, I remain a little skeptical as to yeah, whether or not they're going to play. On that. North Texas. 
Did not play. Supposed to play A&M this week. Supposed to play A&M this week. Didn't happen. They're gonna they're gonna beat AM too. Yeah, at, in Kyle Field. At Kyle Field. They were gonna Let's walk go. into Kyle Let's Field. Let's go. And win. <laughs> they were not gonna do that. Yes, they were. But it would have been nice. Go green. Texas State. Dude. Mm. Mm. Uh so It hurt my heart. <laughs> the comeback was fun. It they mounted a, a crazy game. comeback and go wild. Uh they were without their starting quarterback. Brady yes. McBride was out. Which we found out that morning. We found out that morning that they would he would not play. That it was a COVID issue, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. That that now I don't know if now and, and certainly we don't hope he doesn't have it, but like it's either he was around somebody, he was exposed, contact tracing. It was contact tracing, and he needs to quarantine, or he's positive. Either way, he didn't play. Tyler Vitt stepped in. He was okay. I think he got better as the season as the game went on. Yes. Uh, that, it, that game felt like a whole season. It went crazy. <laughs> they, I, I continue to think they run the ball pretty well. Brock yes. Sturges and Calvin Hill. I think they're. I think their running game is their best part. Best part of this team. Defense left a little something to be desired, though. They got torched on the ground to the tune of 330 yards on the ground. Defense has got to figure something out. Mm-hmm. It's super disappointing. I understand if you're a Texas State fan, you're pulling your hair out. I do think this team is better. I, I just. I, I think this team is trending in a positive direction. I know you don't want to hear that right now because you're own two. And you should have beaten UTSA. But overall, I do think the arrow's pointed up for Texas State. It just hasn't shown up in the one column yet. That's my thought. Okay. Next up is... Hold on, I lost my graphic. UTSA. Well, I can keep the same box score up. Uh, look, a win's a win. And Frank Harris, they are being very careful with how to use him. I think I think Jeff Trailer doesn't trust him to throw right now. No. Um, yeah. But he ran the ball pretty well. Ran for three touchdowns. Sincere McCormick, as we told you in Dave Campbell's Texas football, is awesome. He's super-duper good. Defense, well, he's a little something to be desired. Mm-hmm. You give up 48 points, uh, albeit in overtime. And, and you got to be able to close things out. You give up 34 points in the second half. Uh, and, if you, and 41 points if you count overtime. Uh, but... Wins a win. Jeff Trailer's undefeated. They're one and zero on the road, and it's a rivalry game. You take the win, you feel good about it. So UTSA, uh, feeling pretty good. Their next game is uh, this week against Stephen F. Austin. Mm-hmm. Next up, UTEP. Not well. That went about like we thought it was going good. to. Yeah. Um. The, I mean, the biggest thing was that they were not able to run the ball, right? No. They only ran the ball thirty. They ran the ball thirty-three times for forty-three yards. And when they threw Wolf. it, it was a, it was a pick. And they threw the ball pretty poorly. Um, Gavin Hardison. Look, nobody expected them to walk into Texas and win. No. But to to be pretty much immediately non-competitive, I think, was pretty disappointing. I mean, they were down forty-five to three at halftime. I mean, well, I mean, I think even in garbage time too, you expected yeah. to see some flashes somewhere, and you just didn't. It was that was super disappointing after after kind of what looked like a the defense, and you know we'll talk a little bit about Texas offense here in a moment, but like the defense looked pretty good in their in in week one, mm-hmm. at least once they kind of settled in. Defense did not look good in this one. They ended up giving up uh, six hundred and eighty nine yards to poor. the next team we're talking about, the Texas Longhorns. Kai Money. How about Kai Money? That's a uh, that's a that's uh, awesome Kai Money, uh, a former Dave Campbell's Texas football uh, cover boy, a mm-hmm. private school cover boy from Brownsville, Saint Joseph. All, awesome to see him get in. And look, um, Sam Ellinger looked great. Oh yeah, 
they they ran the ball okay, right? They ran yeah. the ball for 200 yards, uh, but that was just because they also ran the ball. You know, they ran the ball for six yards a clip. I don't know if I'm necessarily going crazy over it, but very positive. Now, I will say, if we're going to if we're going to pick nits, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to pick nits. Um, I was a little disappointed in Brennan Eagles. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see him get involved a little bit more. It's only one week, but he, he, he looked a little out of sorts in this game. Um, and then, you know, I, I would like to see a little bit more, you know, effective running from their, their top two running backs in Keontae Ingram and Rashawn Johnson. Right. B. John, John Robinson got in and, and ran the ball pretty well as well, I would say. But a lot of those are basically like their a lot of their running numbers are kind of uh, buoyed by a couple of really long runs. Right. Overall, the running game was only okay. But look, this is picking nits. The defense shut them down. Defense looked really good. They'll be without B.J. Foster, apparently, for the rest of the year. Yeah. But uh, overall... It's, if, it's just hard with this one because, like you said with the, earlier with the measuring sticks, yeah. like, this is not one look, of them. Look, you know? <laughs> if you're Texas, you beat a team 59-3. to You don't ask questions about it. You just go like... Yay, that was fun. Okay, yeah, now back into Bigger practice. things down the road. Yep. Uh, they now get a week off before they go and they open up the regular season, uh, or rather conference season, at Tech on the 26th. Then we'll go to SMU. Did not play. Did not play. We're supposed to play TCU. Did not play. Houston. Once again, if you missed it, Memphis, Memphis, we started hearing last week that Memphis was had a COVID outbreak. They were supposed to play. Now, here's the tricky part. That's a conference game. That's an AAC game. So they will have to make that up at some point. But Houston scrambled, got Baylor on the on the, on the docket, an old Southwest Conference rivalry. That game's go- now going on this Saturday. I'm glad they were able to put that together. Uh, but Houston now uh, has a game. And finally, Texas Yikes. Tech. What was that? Um, I'll say this. I thought Alan Bowman looked good, and he's healthy now, so that's good. <laughs> I thought Kashawn Carter looked good. I thought Sir Roderick Thomas looked good. Mm-hmm. Look, as somebody who was who was thinking that I would really like to, that I think that the defense can take a step forward for Tech this year. It did not. The early returns exactly. are not positive. Uh, that game got super scary late. Yeah, and they got to fix some stuff now. Look. As we mentioned, after a strange offseason, I'm willing to give teams a little bit of grace in week one in the first game. Right. And so I'm willing to give Tech a little bit of grace. And Houston Baptist had played a game the week Houston, before. Houston Baptist played a game before. That said, and look, I, I already lavish praise on Bailey Zappi. I think Bailey Zappi's great. But you shouldn't be giving up 567 yards passing to uh, an FCS team. No. You shouldn't, especially at home. So, anyway. Uh, there is uh, there is Texas Tech, and there is your campus crawl. Did anybody guess the order? The only guess that was thrown out there was um, zip code order. No. It's actually 2019 total defense order. TCU was the best. Texas Tech All was right. the worst. Well, there you there go. Because not everybody's played yet, so I can't come up with This is true. One. So there you go. There's your campus crawl. Woo! It's 107. And now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. We will fix the text line. We got booted for some reason. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that we have left to do is throw this up and talk about this. Join us. Yes, you're right. Hey, fans. 
Uh, the UIL is celebrating 100 years of Texas high school football, and you can be there to celebrate it with us. September 25th at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, a doubleheader, Arlington Martin and Denton Ryan, and then Longview and Temple, a doubleheader going on. You do have to have tickets before. Yes. The press or the ticket office will not be open we don't want on lines. game day. There's no walk-ups. So you got to order SeatGeek.com. There's also a link on TexasFootball.com. Go and celebrate the 100 years of UIL football uh, with us and the UIL. The games, will, of course, will be broadcast on Fox Sports Southwest as well as part of Texas Football Days. But join us in celebrating 100 years of UIL Texas High School ball at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Arlington Martin and Denton Ryan, Longview and Temple coming up here in a couple of weeks. So there is that. Get your tickets now. That's an order. Get your tickets now. Yep. And that's all. That's all I got for you. That's going to do it for us. Oh, my God. I'm tired of talking. Thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow well, us on we're Twitter. We're tired of listening at to Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Joaquin Coach Wade Lawson for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please come get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow for a much shorter show on Texas Football Today.